In September of 1493, there was a young 19-year-old man that was about to embark on an adventure of a lifetime. He climbed on board with uh, Christopher Columbus. This was Christopher Columbus's second trip to the Americas, and he and a whole bunch of other people went as volunteers, and um, they went on this trip, and what ended then was uh, what resulted from this trip of a young 19-year-old man was he ended up being governor of, of Puerto Rico. And then there was some legal battles and disputes, and, and he was the first governor of Puerto Rico, and he ended up uh, losing in a legal battle to Christopher Columbus's son, who then became the governor of Puerto Rico. And so uh, this young man, uh, Juan Ponce de Leon was his name, he decided, I'm going to go on to the next adventure. And he was tasked with exploring what is now known as Florida. And in particular, um, at least legend has it, that he went looking for something called the Fountain of Youth. Some people are still looking for that. They look for it in things like essential oils and other things, right? I use essential oils. I'm just giving you a hard time. The fountain of youth. Well, we know that Proverbs 10, verse 11, tells us the mouth of the righteous is a fountain of life. And so while he was off exploring wetlands and jungles looking for the thing that would restore youth and life, he was looking in the wrong place. He just needed to look about an inch below his nose and he'd have found it. The fountain of youth. The fountain of life, let's say it. See, the fountain of youth was known as a place that you could go soak in or take a drink from and it would restore or it had healing properties that would heal that what was wrong with you. But here it tells us the mouth of the righteous. So this morning if you're a saint, let me say it differently, if Jesus is your Lord and Master, that means you're a saint. And if you're a saint, you're the righteous. You have a fountain of life in that hole in the front of your face. But you can't just keep it shut. You've got to open it. And you have to speak. And from that comes life as the righteous. Let's go to, let's begin where we have been beginning in Proverbs. And let's look at Proverbs 18, verse 20. <clears throat> if you have not brought a Bible with you this morning and you need a Bible, we, can, we have some here at the front for you. If you need one, just raise your hands and we'll give one to you. Okay, I don't see any hands. So Proverbs 18, you know, we often have the Scripture, I'll just say this as well, up on our, on our overhead projector here on the screen. And, um, but don't rely on that to read. <clears throat> and here's why I say this. Because if you'll open up in your Bible to the particular Scripture that is up there, you will become familiar with the spot on the page and where it is in your Bible. And so it's important that you know where that is, rather than just, well, I don't know where that is, they just put it up on the overhead for me. So uh, find it in your Bible, familiarize yourself with your Bible, and if you don't have one, come see me, we'll get one into your hands. We live in a land where everyone has multiple Bibles and multiple guns. We live in a most blessed land. There's places that would love to have a Bible, or a gun, or both, right? And they have neither. 
All right. Come back. Come back. Stay on track. So Proverbs 18 verse 21 says, Life and death are in the power of the tongue. Life and death. So it could be both a fountain of life or a fountain of death. It's up to you. Your choice. Your call. Your move. Did you know that today is a seed? Today is a seed for the rest of your future. And what you do today is going to determine your tomorrow and the tomorrows after that. And what you use in your mouth today, what you plant with your mouth today, what you release and what you declare and what you speak today is what you're going to be harvesting going forward. So be mindful of what am I planting. Sometimes we get impatient and we want to just plant full-grown oak trees, right? Boom, planted, it's there. But those things take time to grow. There's planting time and then there's a passage of growing and, and that thing is maturing and then finally you have the harvest. And in Scripture it tells us that you will reap if you don't give up, if you don't faint, if you don't quit. The quitters don't get to reap the harvest that they planted and have been waiting on. So endurance, you're going to endure, you're going to hold on, you're going to look for the future and say, no, the harvest is there, it's coming, it's growing, it's maturing, and I will have my harvest. So your mouth in it is power of life and death. Let's go over to James. And we'll look in the third chapter of James. The last several Sundays, what we have looked at is we've, we've answered the question, is it important what we say? And we have absolutely seen in the Word that the Word tells us the Lord is listening to us. And then if you look a little bit further, um, you'll see that not only is He listening to us, but we're going to, have, we're going to be judged by what we say. And, and the seeds, our words, are those little seed capsules that you're releasing from your mouth, you're going to have to answer for whether they were seeds that brought life, seeds that brought death, or were useless seeds, empty seeds, had no, nothing in them. They were idle words. And Jesus said it this way, He said that out of the abundance of the heart, man speaks. So what is in you in abundance? Is it life or is it death? Is it blessing? Is it cursing? Because we're called to bless, right? We're called to speak blessing. We're called to not curse, but bless. Jesus said in Luke, Luke maybe 6, uh, Jesus said, bless those who curse you. Bless those who persecute you is what He said. Bless those who persecute you. Well, that's completely the opposite of what we, our flesh would want to do, right? It would want to retaliate, persecute them back, fine. But no, Jesus said that we're going to bless them. How do we bless someone? Well, first of all, with your mouth. Speak blessing over them. And then there's actions you can take to bless someone. Let's look here in James chapter 3 and verse 1. Not many should become teachers, my brothers, knowing that we will receive a stricter judgment. For we all stumble in many ways. 
If anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a mature man who is also able to control his whole body. If you have control of your tongue, then you can control your whole body. You can control your life by your tongue. You can control what your body does by your tongue. You can control how your body operates by your tongue. If you have control of your tongue. Let's keep reading. It says, Now when we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we also guide the whole animal. And consider ships, though very large and driven by fierce winds, you know, in spite of the wind is what he's saying, in spite of all the opposition the ship faces in the wind, they are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will, that's important, wherever the will, in fact, I'm going to circle that in my Bible, the will of the pilot, wherever the will of the pilot directs. So a ship, if you take a big cargo ship and it's out at sea, and you begin, the, the pilot decides, I want to go left. And he turns, he turns and begins to turn and turn left. You know, someone watching the ship doesn't see an immediate change in direction. It's not a zero-turn lawnmower that it's like, immediately the ship going over here. No, what they're going to see is, looks like nothing's happening. But, but just give it a minute. And suddenly you'll see, that, that ship's going a different direction than it had been. Give it another minute, and pretty soon it's turned some more and, and some more, and give it enough time, and that ship is going exactly the direction that the pilot wanted to go. He is making the comparison to our tongue and saying, well, just like your tongue, you can guide your life or your body in the same way. Just like you can put a, a bit in a, in a horse's mouth and train it, and then it'll go just the slightest tug on the rein or Depends how you train your horse. There's those that have like a neck rein or some do it with their knees. But it all begins up here in their mouth. And you can have that horse go in whichever direction you want to go. And you can have a ship go in spite of the opposition, in spite of the direction of the wind. Come on, we, some people are facing wind right now. And in spite of the wind, you can direct where you're going where your will is to go, whether it's good or bad. You might be raised in a Christian home where you have everything going for you and the wind is all blowing in the right direction and if you want to go the wrong direction, you can turn your life in the wrong direction. You might have been raised with no advantages in life and many obstacles to overcome and against much wind as far as the kingdom of heaven is concerned. And yet, with your mouth, you can guide your life and guide your, your body and guide the direction of your life. Either that or James and Proverbs 18 is all a lie. And if it's a lie, what are we here for this morning anyhow? Somewhere serving pancakes. We could go do that instead. But if it is true, right, comes back to the question, is Jesus who He said He is? Yes, He is. If you're not sure about that, ask, ask, just pray and say, Lord, reveal Jesus to me. Is He who He said He is? And you, He will answer you. He is quick to give you the kingdom of heaven. It's His pleasure to give you the kingdom of heaven. And so He'll reveal that to you and in this way too. If you're saying, man, how does this work in life? I mean, I, I'm not seeing it. Just ask the Father. Say, Lord, give me revelation on this subject. 
He is quick. It says it's His good pleasure to give us the kingdom and the things of the kingdom. He's not holding out on us, is He? And so, um, dare to believe. Dare to believe. In spite of the wind. So we had asked and answered the question, are, is the words we speak important? Yes, they are. And we looked at being judged and justified by our words. We looked at idle words, what that is. And then we looked at a bunch of scriptures, several scriptures on words of death and how our words can lie and wait for us. How we can speak something out and it'll go and sit there and wait for us to show up and then jump on us. See, our words create things. Things like, man, I tell you what, every time I do such and such, I get such a backache. Well, I guess so. Right? I told you the story of how we cured ourselves from saying things like that. We just took uh, Pastor Dale and Terry's example and said, well, that, you know, they would tell each other, you know, when they'd hear each other make some crazy confession that was just a death confession, they'd say, well, I believe every word of that confession will come to pass in the name of Jesus, amen. And so we thought, well, that's an excellent idea. We did that, and boy, it doesn't take long, and you can just clean your mouth up like that. And you begin speaking out what you want to speak out. And uh, you can also refer to your past. You know, historically, when I did such and such, my back would hurt. So I believe this time is going to be different. And I'm going to do this activity and come away full of life and health. My back is regenerated and whole and healthy, right? And you'd speak. Come on, your mouth is the fountain of life, of righteousness, of life. So let's look at scriptures that would confirm what we're saying here. Let's go to Romans 4.17. I think we had maybe made it to this scripture last week. Romans chapter 4. I have many illustrations in my own life where I've experienced exactly what I said. Sometimes to the good, sometimes to the bad. Sometimes something I said in jest. I remember uh, Jen and I were out on a date one night and uh, I was living in Colorado and her and her parents had, and family had come to Colorado to visit their friends and so I took Jen out on this date and we went out and parked in the desert and watched the sunset and, and waited too long to head back to the house because see there was a certain time we were supposed to be back, right? And uh, as we headed back, I jokingly said, I said, we're out on a desert road, you know, and uh, gravel road, and I jokingly said, man, we need to have a flat tire so that we have an excuse. And, um, you know, probably a quarter or a half mile later, I had two flat tires. And uh, there was this really sharp corner I had forgotten about. I mean, I knew there was a corner there. I just forgot that it's one of those that it turns like more than a 90 degree, you know. And uh, while we weren't going fast, we come to this corner and I saw that, oh, we're going to slide a little bit in the gravel. I thought I'd just have fun because I had an off-road truck and I'll just drive down into the desert floor and back up on the road and have fun while I'm going around this corner. Didn't see behind this little sage bush a boulder that ended up giving me two flat tires. So we um, got to be late with excuse and um, got exactly what I wished for, exactly what I said, right? And 
So that's a, a form of it coming, it, it happening in the negative, speaking death, right? Maybe it saved my hide on the other end of it, so maybe it was life, I don't know. Maybe it saved my life with, with your dad, right? But you can use it, and uh, you can speak it, and you can experience it. Romans 4, verse 17 says, as it is written, I have made you the father of many nations. Now this is God speaking to Abraham. He had renamed him from Abram to Abraham. He's now, the word Abraham means father of many nations. And when God named him this way, this was a man who had no children at all. And so now Abraham has to introduce himself as father of many nations everywhere he goes. Someone says, hello, I'm Sam. He goes, hi, I'm father of many nations. Oh, really? What nations are those? You'll see. <laughs> right? Because he couldn't point to any nations currently. So this is all in the future. He looks like a lunatic. Come on, he looks like a lunatic. It is going in completely against all the wind in his life. He is, what, a hundred years old? His wife is old. They, they're not having children. But God said, you're going to have a child. And not only a child, your descendants are going to be so many you can't count them. In fact, look at the stars like that. Look at the sand along the seashore like that. And that certainly is coming to pass. Every day that is still being fulfilled. The name Abraham, father of many nations, is a word that hasn't gone away yet. It is still, when you came into the kingdom of God and you said yes to the Lord Jesus, that was that word of prophecy, that, that word that was spoken out, that seed that was planted thousands of years ago, still being fulfilled. Isn't that amazing? And we think that our words wear off after a couple days or years or something. Come on, your prayers are going to be around long, and your words are going to be around long after you're dead and gone from this earth. I mean, you're going to be alive somewhere else. But they'll still stand. They'll still be there. Just like, just like this promise and this word. So he says, as it is written, I have made you the father of many nations. He this is Abraham. He believed God who gives life to the dead and calls things into existence that do not exist. Some trans translations say, call things that be not as though they be. Just like when he said light be, well there wasn't light, yet light was created in that moment. When we often think, well God has it nice because he can just speak something and bang, there it is. Like light for example. He's, there was no light, and he uses his words, and he says, light be, and light was. And so that's how we want it to be for us. We speak, and there's a cloud of smoke, a bang, and there it is. But yet we see plenty of promises of God that don't happen that way. Plenty of his declarations and bees, just like this, that you're going to have a son. I mean, from the first time he said this to Abraham, ten years later... For 10 years, Abraham could have been sitting there going, what's wrong? Guess God's either a liar or maybe I'm doing this wrong. Maybe there's something wrong with me. Maybe, maybe I just had too much pizza that night. 
when I thought God showed up and said, you're going to have children and, and, and have as many as the sand. That really is ridiculous and stupid. But no, that's not what he did, is it? said he believed God in spite of the wind that was coming up against the ship of his. In spite of the waves that were coming up against him, he believed God. I think if you actually study Abraham's life out, you'll see that there was a period of about nine years that, that he was in doubt and works and his faith wasn't perfected yet. He was working on that. He made mistakes in there. You know, Sarah's handmaiden. And, and trying to do things in the flesh rather than relying on God. And so when he finally gets a hold of this promise and seizes a hold of it, we see what happens next is Sarah's with child. And so there are things that are required of us to see the fulfillment of the Word of God in our lives. I was having a conversation last night with friends of ours about this and how that, you know, we... There seems to be, when God says something, there seems to be a corresponding action that is required from us in order to seize the promise. You know, when Jesus said, okay, uh, bring those five loaves and fish and He was going to feed the 5,000, He didn't pray and, and bless it and wait for 12 baskets or 600 or 1,000 baskets of food to appear and then start to distribute it. The action he took was he took what he had, he broke it and gave action to what he believed. And that was giving of what he had and then it was multiplied. And he just kept breaking off of that piece of bread until everybody was full and fat and they still had 12 baskets left over. Right? So there seems to be, when just look at this through Scripture again and again, there's a corresponding action and requirement from us. So ask yourself this, when you're in faith for something, what action can I take that would align with what I believe? You know, if you pray for rain, you better carry an umbrella. Otherwise, you're just, you're not in faith. You're not expecting rain, Right? Some of you are looking at me like, oh, that's good stuff. It's good stuff. Let's go back over to Proverbs. So the tongue is a fountain of, of life. Power is in your tongue. What are you declaring and decreeing and, and do you believe it? You know, I've said this multiple times that the greatest thing you can do for someone is speak the Word of God over them or the greatest thing you can do for yourself is speak the Word over yourself. I've been saying Sunday after Sunday that the, the first step in being a doer of the Word is to speak it. To speak it. To take it and to speak it. And then put action to it. So here in Proverbs 10... We had read one scripture here already in verse 11. It says, the mouth of the righteous is a fountain of life. So literally, you know how a fountain just comes bubbling up and it seems like it just doesn't stop. It just keeps coming. Well, that's how our mouth is to be. Just life, 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 bubble, 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 life, 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 just doesn't quit. Life, 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 all day today, all night tonight, all day tomorrow, life. See, we're called, I said we're called to bless. We're not done. Let's go back to James. You can stick a finger here. No, just, we'll just, just go to James. Let's hang out in James. We're going to look here into chapter 3. Let's look at verse 
Let's look at verse 4 again. And consider ships. So think about it. How the ship works. Though they're very large and driven by fierce winds, they're guided by a very small rudder. Wherever the will of the pilot directs. So now, an important distinction for you to understand is that you are a three-part being. Okay? First and foremost, you are a spirit being. And out of that spirit being is where the issues of life are going to flow. Because if you're born again, that is the Spirit of Christ. Your spirit has been renewed, reborn. The Spirit of Christ resides and lives and dwells in you, bears witness with you, and out of that born-again spirit comes issues of life. All right? So that's, your, that's who you are, your spirit. That's what's going to remain. That's what, um, when you die, when your body, when, when your flesh dies and falls on the floor, your spirit goes to be with the Lord. Right? That's the real you. This flesh is just the temporary shell that gives you permission to walk on the earth right now. It's your earth suit. Alright? So there's a spirit, there's a soul. Your soul is your mind, your will, your emotions. That's your personality. That's how people... You know what? That seems like something so-and-so would say. They're referring to their soul. Who, who, their, how they experience them. Their personality. And then... The third part of your, of your being is your flesh, which is at some day is going to be completely renewed, completely amped and souped up, and I mean, it's going to be able to go through walls, it's not going to age, it, it's going to have drank from the fountain of life, which is the Lord Jesus. But you know, he said that if you would cry out to him, you would have fountains of life bubbling up from the inside, right? That was that spirit on the inside. So there's where the things are going to come, the things and issues of life are going to come is out of that spirit man on the inside, not from your flesh. Your flesh is stinky and smelly, needs a shower, desires evil things. Your flesh can be trained in good ways and bad ways, and it's just dust, There's nothing holy about your flesh. If you don't believe me, you can die and we can just let your flesh sit here for four days and it'll rot and smell and prove it. That left alone, it just is corruption, decay. That's the nature of flesh. But you're born again spirit man on the inside of you. Who the real you is, there is where life is going to come out. So who is the one in control of the ship? Your spirit, that inside man. And your spirit is going, if you are led by your spirit and the Holy Spirit together as your co-witness, that directs your soul, your mind, your will and emotions. And if you feed in the spirit realm from the Word of God and in private time with the Lord, then your spirit becomes strong and your soul will follow it and your flesh is dominated by your spirit man, the real you. Okay, so this is how we speak life. But if you don't do those things, and you don't direct where the ship is going, and you just host the sail and let the wind blow, man, your flesh is going to just say whatever it wants to say, and you're not giving any direction to the ship, and you're going to wind up in places whichever way the wind blows. Right? Places you don't want to be. Probably up on a rocky shore somewhere, broken apart, bleeding and drowning. Let's keep reading. So, too, 
So just like this ship, so too, though the tongue is a small part of the body, it boasts great things. It's capable of great things. It can say great things, both good and bad. It can direct a ship in the middle of a storm. It can start a fire that covers a whole forest, just like a little spark. He says here, um, consider how a large fire how large a forest, a small fire ignites. A little spark can, can burn millions of acres, right? Thousands of acres. We see that almost every year. Just recently down in Australia, they had fires that seemed to burn the whole continent. A little spark started those fires, right? And he goes on and says, the tongue is a fire. This is the unredeemed, unsubmitted tongue is a fire. The tongue is a world of unrighteousness. It is placed among the parts of our bodies. It pollutes the whole body, sets the course of life on fire, and is on, set on fire by hell. Now here's where the important thing you need to understand why he's writing this. Your tongue is a flesh member. I said your tongue, your, your flesh is corrupt. No matter how much you train your flesh, no matter how long you walk in righteousness, if you'll just... Stop directing your flesh. If you just leave your earth suit, it'll be corrupted and, and it goes the way of death. So your tongue naturally wants to go that way. But the real you on the inside of you, the one who controls your tongue, and if you'll control your tongue, you can control your whole body, is what Scripture says. You have to be aware, watch out, your tongue is flesh. Your tongue is not you. Your tongue is not the real person on the inside of you. It is flesh. So you must direct this flesh to say what I once said and not what my flesh once said. That's why he's saying man is full of fire and it can burn down the whole house. You must direct it. So the unsubmitted tongue, the tongue that's just allowed to just be let loose in the flesh will do exactly that. Let's keep reading here. It says, for every creature, animal, or bird, reptile, or fish is tamed and has been tamed by man. But no man can tame the tongue. This is talking about natural man. Just you in your flesh trying to tame your own flesh. Now we know that that which is of spirit overcomes flesh. But that which is flesh can't overcome flesh. Especially not the tongue. You can try to tame that tongue. You can do, you know, as an unborn again person, you can say, all right, man, I'm going to do this and this and this. And, and, and then the next thing you know, you're off in the weeds again. So your victory is going to come from your spirit because the spirit of Christ resides in you. You are no longer ruled by your tongue and by your flesh but you rule your tongue and you very deliberately bless. You very deliberately plant seeds of life. You very deliberately declare how it's going to be. That's why I stood here last week and said, oh no, this is a, a coronavirus-free zone. This is a flu-free zone. This is a cancer-free zone. This is death and disease-free zone. This is a diabetes-free zone, right? So we say how it's going to be. We rule our tongue and don't just let it go all willy-nilly and say what it wants.
says, no man can tame the tongue. Talking about the natural man, not the spirit man. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With it, we bless our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse men who are made in God's likeness. He's bringing out that this is just, it's just flesh. Your tongue is a flesh member, and it'll do whatever you allow it to do, whatever you direct it to do. Out of the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these, these things should not be this way. Does a spring pour out sweet and bitter water from the same opening? Can a fig tree produce olives, my brothers, or a, a grapevine produce figs? No, a cherry tree doesn't make apples. It makes cherries. So what's on the inside is what comes out, he's saying. What's on the inside is what comes out. Neither can a salt water spring yield fresh water. You know, back in chapter 1 of James, in verse 26, he says, if anyone thinks he is religious, if you think you, uh, you're religious and you don't control your tongue, you're deceiving your heart and your religion's useless. Why would he say that? Because what he is saying is your spirit is not the one leading the way, but you're being flesh-led. If you're spirit-led... We can go to Galatians and read this. If you're Spirit-led, man, all the fruit of the Spirit, all these things come from that. And if you'll just look at it, most of those gifts are going to come out of, out of your mouth and with the use of your tongue. However, if you're not Spirit-led and you're flesh-led, that means death comes out of your mouth. And cursing comes out of your mouth. I'm not talking cussing, that'll probably come out too, but I'm saying curses over people, cursing things, and that damn car just won't start. Really? I mean, maybe it is a hunk of junk, but if it's your car, you need it to serve you. You need to bless that car, not curse it. I mean, you understand, when you say that damn whatever... You're, you're speaking doom and destruction over that thing. Say, well, no, I thought it was just a byword. No, it's not. Damn means something. And we are to give an account for the words we speak and the seeds that we're planting. So if you're damning something, it better be a devil. Mm-hmm. But verse 27, let's read it. Pure and undefiled religion. Did you know there's a good religion? I mean, a lot of times we'll say, you know, uh, I, I don't, I'm not a religious person, I'm a spiritual person. Because people have put a lot of judgment and condemnation and attached that to how some people in the past have, have shown religion. So there is a bad religion, but there is a good religion too. And the good religion is the pure and undefiled religion before our God and Father is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself unstained from the world. By your mouth is where it begins. Now let's go to Proverbs. We were in Proverbs 10. Let's go to Proverbs 12 this time. Proverbs 12, and we're looking at speaking blessing and speaking life and how your mouth brings, in your mouth is the fountain of life. In Proverbs 12, the, it says, verse 6, the words of the wicked are a deadly ambush, 
Man, you, you speak things and then they come back and ambush you. You know, every year about January, I get the flu. And then that's how you get the flu every January. But you don't have to. You can start saying something different and believing it and declaring it. Some of those things that you said in the past, you need to stand up and, and, and break those things. You need to break those words by the power of Jesus and by the blood of Jesus. I'll tell you an illustration here in just a moment. Verse 6 says, But the speech of the upright rescues them. The speech of the upright rescues them. Did you know that every time I get into trouble, I have favor? I always have a way out. Every time I think, man, there's, it doesn't look like I'm going to get out of this one. Man, God shows up and shows off and He is glorified and it's a testimony for everybody. And just by simply me declaring that right now, those words are now waiting for the next opportunity of when I get in trouble and they're going to jump out and rescue me. It's already been put into motion that the next time I need a parking spot in the middle of the rain, there's going to be one right up by the door. Because I've said it, and it's been working for me. You know, I had, um, when I've told this story a number of times before, but some here have not heard it. When we moved in 2011 from Colorado to Pennsylvania, and one, we were looking for a school, and I had come in several weeks early. I came in June. I stayed at Pastor Dale's house and stayed two weeks, looked for a place, never found one. Um, so went back home and kept praying and asking the Lord for a place. And well, Jen, in the meantime, had been online looking for a school to send Adrian to because Adrian was just getting ready to go into the first grade. And we knew that we didn't want him to go to public school. We just had it in our heart that we need to find a Christian, a private Christian school to send him to. Now, financially, we had absolutely no business thinking we could send him to a private school. Because first of all, we were moving here. We had no money. We had no place. We had, no, um, we had nothing. We didn't have a job. We just, how in the world are we going to afford to put him in a private school and pay the extra monthly expenses, Right. So, but we had it in our heart. This was what we were supposed to do. I'm not saying everyone's supposed to do that, but this is what we had in our heart to do. And so, Jen, she does her homework and research, and she goes online, and she gets it narrowed down to about three schools. And so, um, she talks to each one of the schools and tells them our financial situation. And so, each school offers some sort of uh, uh, help package to us, a form of a scholarship, if you will. Uh, to help those of low income and be able to go to their school. And there was one school in particular that gave a lot better deal financially than the other schools. And we could have just said yes to that and grabbed that one and said, okay, it's God's provision. He knows that we have need and, and put him in that school. And it may have been the right school, but I felt in my heart that that would just being led by money. And, and Romans 8 says the sons of God are led by the Spirit of God, so I wanted my direction to come from Him, not because of opportunity or because of this is the better deal. Some people are money-led, right? Well, not me. So I prayed and, and um, I asked the Lord, okay, which school do you want Adrian to go to? And we absolutely, um, there was silence on the line. And man, I ask and I ask him nothing. Okay, well, maybe the Lord wants to wait to tell me until we're there, living there. So we go ahead and we move and we get settled in across the street in the campground here. We were living in a, in a little cottage over there. And, 
And it's along about August now, and, and the school calls us and says, because school is starting in late August, and they said, you know, if uh, you're going to send your son to school here, we need to know by tomorrow morning. Or by tomorrow, they said. And I said, okay, we'll give you an answer by tomorrow. So I told Jen, I said, I'm going to lock myself in the bedroom. I went upstairs in that little cottage and went into the bedroom, and I said, I'm not coming out of here until I hear from the Lord. And uh, I got down on my knees beside the bed and I prayed and I said, Lord, I've been asking you and I've been asking you where to send Adrian to school and I've not been hearing anything. And I know that Romans 8 says the sons of God are led by the Spirit of God, so that means you want to lead me in this. And if I know anything about you, you want to lead me in this more than I want to be led in it. Your desire is greater than mine. So the, the, the blockage must be on my part of it, of me not hearing, me not being led, me not being able to receive where to send him to. See, I believe that it's very, very I just had this in my heart, that it was very important that we get this one right. Maybe it was because of relationships that Adrian was going to establish that would go with him the rest of his life in that school. I mean, there was many good things and relationships and things that happened by being at the right school. But I knew that my child's life could depend upon being in the right school and not being in the wrong one, at the wrong place at the wrong time, right? And so I just had this so strong that I needed to hear from the Lord. And so uh, I, I prayed that way to the Lord. I said, I know you want to lead me more and I desire to be led. So show me, Father, what the holdup is and why I am not hearing you. And immediately on the inside, I began to hear like a recording playing on the inside of me, I began to hear all these word curses that I had spoken out over school as I was growing up and in school. I mean, I really disliked school. The only part of school I liked was recess. And, I mean, I hated school. And we, I, I went to this um, Mennonite school. It was like through eighth grade, eighth, eight grades, or nine grades, I guess. And... Um, it was three, three rooms, that's how they did it. We had maybe 50 students, 50, 60 students in our school. And, and I really disliked school. And we lived right across the road from the school. And I remember often saying, man, I wish that schoolhouse would burn down. Because that would mean I wouldn't have to go to school tomorrow, right? And so I, I'd cursed that school so many times and I heard myself saying these things. I hate school. I wish the schoolhouse would burn down. I hate my teachers. I blah, 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 curse, 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 curse. And I hear all of this. And I immediately knew what was going on. My words were standing between me and Him being able to minister to me on this thing. And lead me on this thing. My words were standing. And they had gone into the future and had laid in wait for me. And were arrayed against me. And so I just immediately, as I heard this on the inside, repented. You know, it doesn't need to take long to repent. You can change immediately. And I just repented and said, Father, I repent for saying those things. And I put all those word curses under the blood of Jesus. And I break the power of those words in the name of Jesus. And I call those word curses to fall to the ground useless and completely unemployed. And then I prayed a blessing over the school that I'd grown up in. I mean, after all, they blessed me a lot. That's why I can read and write and figure out occasionally where to put in a comma. Right? 
I mean, they helped me. They blessed me. So I prayed a blessing over the school and that God would bless them and prosper them and, and the teachers that taught me and I blessed my teachers and, and, and blessed, just went down the line. You know, it might have taken 15 minutes, but I went through and I blessed all of them. And then I prayed a blessing over the, all these three schools we were looking at. And as I finished, I said, all right, Lord, I said, where do you want me to send Adrian to school? And I mean, just instantly on the inside, I heard a voice on the inside saying, Adrian will go to Hinkletown and his teacher will be Miss Rogers. Now, I didn't know any of the teacher's names at all, you understand. And it was so easy, it came so quickly that I thought, this can't be right. I must just now be making stuff up in my head. Because that was too easy, right? I mean, I've been struggling for weeks to hear from the Lord and nothing, and surely it's not going to be that quick. I mean, he almost interrupted me, you understand as I was asking the question. And so I asked again. I did that three times, and it wasn't until I did it the third time and the exact same answer came back instantly that I thought, well, there's an easy way to solve this. The light started coming on. Call Hinkletown and ask them who the first grade teacher is because he'll go to Hinkletown. His teacher will be Miss Rogers. So I got on the phone. I went downstairs. I got on the phone, and I said, hey, I have a question for you. Uh, what's, what's the name of your first grade teacher? They said, oh, her name is Jackie Rogers. And so I knew... <laughs> this is the Lord, right? Of course, there was the witness of peace on the inside. And, and here was the blessing of it. It was also the one that did the most for us financially and helped us out. They, they blessed us tremendously during that season in our lives. And so this is an example of, let's read here again, verse 12, Proverbs 12. The words of the wicked are a deadly ambush, but the speech of the upright rescues them. Notice it was interesting, it was by direction of the Lord and, and words from my mouth that I was then rescued from the trap that I had set for myself. <clears throat> Let's go over to Proverbs 13. No, I'm sorry, verse 13. Chapter 12, let's look at verse 13. An evil man is trapped by the transgression of his speech, but the righteous escapes from trouble implying by his speech. The evil is trapped by it, but the righteous escapes by their speech. Verse 14, a man will be satisfied with good by the fruit or the words of his mouth, but the work of a man's hands will reward him. So it's going to start in your mouth. You're going to be satisfied with the words of your mouth. Chapter 13, look in verse 2. From the words of his mouth, a man will enjoy good things. From the words of your mouth, you will enjoy... Do you want to enjoy good things? Then your words have to, have to speak good things over you. Some people, they say horrible things about themselves. I'm so stupid. I'm such an idiot. I'm the, how, could, how can I be so dumb? I know, you've done it. I've done it. Right? Don't talk like that. Say, I'm bright. I'm sharp. I'm quick. Good looking and a major blessing. Right? <laughs> Chapter 14. Let's look at verse 25. A truthful witness. What does a witness do? Well, it gives testimony to something it's seen or experienced. A truthful witness rescues lives or souls. Rescues souls. You can rescue your soul 
by being a truthful witness. Now, what is the greatest truth but what he said? Give witness to the truth with your mouth and it will rescue your soul. By the words of your mouth, you can be a truthful witness and rescue other lives and souls. After all, isn't preaching the gospel, isn't that what you're doing? Is you're rescuing souls. Let's look at uh, chapter 15. Verse 4. The tongue that heals is a tree of life. But a devious tongue breaks the spirit. The tongue that heals is a tree of life, but the devious tongue breaks the spirit. Now, over your own body, your tongue has the most influence over your own body. My tongue may have a little bit of influence, but nothing compared to your tongue over your body. Right? Your tongue has the, it has the ability to heal or You can break your spirit with your tongue. Or you can use your tongue to to bless someone else and bring healing to them. Or to really discourage them. Break their spirit. Chapter 16. Verse 21. Anyone with a wise heart is called discerning. And pleasant speech or sweetness of lips, sweetness of your words, pleasant words... Increase learning. If you're a teacher, man, this is one. uh, Listen, if you're a parent, you're a teacher. Okay? So all of you that are teachers, with the sweetness of your mouth, with the pleasantness of your words, you can increase their ability to learn. You can increase, you know what? You're really sharp. You know, you're smart and you catch on to things pretty quick. And, and, you, have, you see things others don't see. and You build them up. You bless them with your words. And it will cause them... And do this with yourself. Let's look at verse 24. Pleasant words are a honeycomb, sweet to the soul, and health to the body or bones. Pleasant words are sweet to the emotions and to the to the soul, to the mind, to the will, to the personality. Pleasant words are sweet and they're health to your cells. And that's where your cells come from is your bones. They're health to your bones, health to your body, health to your flesh. Health to you. So what are you speaking over yourself? 2 Corinthians 4. Next week, Lord willing, we'll talk about the submitted tongue. Because we don't have time to go into that today. But let's look at 2 Corinthians chapter 4. We sang this morning about the promises are yes and amen. You know, in uh, Corinthians, it tells us that the promises, all the promises of God are yes and amen. And in, I like how some translations read it. The ISV says it this way. It says, for all God's promises are yes in Him. And so through Him, we can say amen to the glory of God. 
It's us giving voice to His promises. Us agreeing with and declaring His promises over your own body. Look, your greatest responsibility in life is you. If you're an adult, someone else is not responsible for you. You are responsible for you. If you have children, you're also responsible for them. But if they're matured children, that level of responsibility begins to diminish or changes to different type of responsibility in their life. But over you yourself, you're never going to get away from you being responsible for you. What are you saying over you? What are you believing about you? What are the promises of God that you're doing? Knowing about this is not enough. Because that's just what, that, that's self-deception. When you know about something, but you don't actually do it. In James it says that's self-deceived. Here in Romans 4, I'm sorry, Rome, I am in Romans, 2 Corinthians 4. In verse 13, it says, Since we have the same spirit of faith in accordance with what was written, I believe, therefore I spoke. As we believe, therefore we speak. See, he's quoting the saying, I believe, therefore I spoke. That's, some, that's what was written. So he's saying, in the same spirit of faith as he who said that, we believe and we also speak. And what is it that they speak? Knowing that the one who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and present us with you. And if you just keep on going down, he goes, verse 16, Therefore we do not give up, even though our outer person is being destroyed, our inner person is being renewed day by day. For our momentary light affliction is producing for us an absolutely incomparable eternal weight of glory. So we do not look at what is seen, at the wind, at the waves. We don't look at the problem. We don't, we don't, we're not focusing on that. That's how this translation actually says it. We do not focus on what is seen. It means to look intently. It means that, that the thing that's filling your windshield, the only thing you're seeing, but we look at what, we focus on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. So looking at the promises, looking at into the spiritual realm. Remember, your spirit is what is going to rule your tongue. Your spirit is going to rule your tongue and deliberately tell it what to say. And out of that is where you're looking at into the unseen. Out, you're bringing what is unseen in the spiritual realm and bringing it on the inside of you and now putting it into the natural realm with a natural tool called the tongue. That's how you bring it from the unseen into the seen. What you know spiritually is now released into the natural, naturally, through your tongue, but with spiritual oomph behind it. With spiritual backing behind it. So now those two come together in a marriage. You've released it into the natural. Your faith has grabbed a hold of it in the, un in, in the supernatural. And now the miracle working of power of God is released into the earth and is at work for you. At work for your children. Psalms 107, I'm going to close with this. You can close your Bibles and stand. 
Psalms 107 verses 1 and 2 says, Oh, give thanks to the Lord. You know, that's not thinking. That's not thinking thoughtful thoughts. Giving thanks to the Lord is a deliberate action. And it means that you're looking deliberately at the thing He has done for you and you are thanking Him. It's an audible response to something that has already happened. It's an audible response to something that you believe has happened. Whether you see it in the natural or not is irrelevant. It's if you see it in the spiritual realm. And it says, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for He is good, for His steadfast love endures forever. And then it makes this statement, because your tongue, the fountain of life, has to be put into action by your spirit. It says, Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. You have to say so. I am redeemed. I am redeemed. My flesh and bones are redeemed. Life comes out of my bones. The Lord, He perfects every cell in my body. And my body's cells are quickened by the power of God. And I am redeemed from the curse of the law. And and sickness and death has no place over my physical body. Because I am redeemed. I've, I've been bought and paid for. I belong in the healed realm. I am whole. I am healthy. He's given me the feet of deer. He's trained my hands for war. I'm quick and nimble. My mind works sharp. My eyes see far away and near. I can see. I can hear. I am full of life. This is the redeemed of the Lord saying so. And while you don't have to walk through Walmart shouting it, you need to be shouting it on the way to Walmart. Okay? You got to say it. Make it a habit. And if, if you're riding a bus, well, everyone else will have a good time too. Father, we thank you for this ability that you have entrusted to us. We don't look at it lightly, Father. We realize that it, the significance of life and death that you've given us this ability to declare, to decree, to say. So Father, in place where we have thought or prayed when we ought to have been saying, I'm asking you, Father, to show us those differences, to arrest us where we're off in, in our thoughts rather than where we ought to be saying something. Show us how to say it. Show us when to say it. Father, I ask for your revelation and understanding on this issue of the tongue, on life and death in our mouth, and how to use this fully for your glory, that you will be glorified. I thank you for this in the mighty name of Jesus, and I bless each one of you in the name of Jesus. I give peace to you. I declare prosperity over you. I say you are full of health and life. That your body is quickened and renewed. That your bank accounts have prosperity flowing into them. That you are full of of quickness of step. That you are full of agility. That you are full of joy in the name of Jesus. We have a time of fellowship downstairs to love on one another, speak life over one another, be Jesus to each other.
Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Church of the Word International. We're so blessed to have you here today. Do you know that you are the most blessed people on the face of the earth? Isn't that exciting? I'd like to encourage you in the Word of God today for your worship this morning. In Acts 13.2, it says, As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, Separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work whereunto I have called them. What were they doing when they were ministering to the Lord? Never think about that. They were worshiping. They were giving worth. They were saying, Father, you're awesome. You're powerful. You're kind. You're loving. You're generous. They were worshiping the Lord. And then they were fasting. A lot of times when we think of fasting, we are denying ourselves of food. But there's many dimensions of fasting. Sometimes fasting is just getting your attention fully on the Lord in your time of worship. Do you ever start off worshiping God and you're just vocally, you're, you're vocal, using your mouth, worshiping the Lord and your attention's on the Lord. And then all of a sudden, a little flicker of a thought, you're off cooking somewhere. <laughs> Anybody other than me? <laughs> well, just me. <laughs> Thank you, Pastor. All right. Well, fasting of your thought life is, is uh, refusing those thoughts to wander and directing completely your thought life on the Lord. So in this particular scripture, they were worshiping and they had their full attention on the Lord. So as we spend time worshiping the Lord this morning, the Father, in spirit and in truth, let's give him all the glory because he's worthy of it. And let's give him all our attention. Amen. So let's stand up together as family and let's give him our whole spirit, soul, and body. Amen. children, you have me in such small little boxes. I'm tired of these little boxes. It's time for me to break out. Open your eyes. Take those scales off of your eyes. Believe God's word because it's true. It's an all-powerful word. Jesus paid the price that we may have freedom in the spirit to move by his spirit with obedience. And sometimes you think, I can't do that, Lord. Well, you can't. But by the power and the might of the Holy Spirit, nothing is too hard for me. So learn to trust me. 
Cleanse yourself of all unrighteousness. Because the power of God cannot exist in those little bodies full of sin. It's time for repentance. It's time for cleansing. For I will move in a mighty church. A church that's without spot or wrinkle. So humble yourselves before a holy and a mighty God that I can use you and fill you and anoint you to do great and mighty things for my kingdom's sake. Because it's time for my kingdom to shine. It's time for my people to show the glory of God. It's time for my people to live a life that's righteous and holy before me and before this world. This world is so deceived. This world is so sick. This world is dying. But I have life, and I have it more abundantly. And if you trust in me and yield to me more and more and more, I'll give you more and more and more. Hallelujah. It's the right word. And that cleansing, that sanctification comes in your time of worship, your time of praying in the Spirit. It is a time of focus, church. It really is. It's a time to focus in on the Lord and His agenda, His plan, His way of doing things. It's time to get rid of the distractions in life and spend time with the Lord. Full attention, fasting before a holy and mighty God. There are things before us that God wants to move you into, to position you into. There's a great move of God, not just in your life, but there in, in, in a sphere of influence in, in, the, in the world and the earth. And he needs you. He needs you to be properly positioned. So take this word today personally and spend quality time with the Lord focused on him fasting fasting before a mighty a mighty God allow the Holy Spirit to work through you let him do it in you allow the Holy Spirit to pray for you hallelujah it's a holy time treat it as a holy time the Father loves you so much He cares for you so much. Let him love you. Let him minister to you. Hallelujah. Just lift your hands right now. And take a moment to receive the love of the Father. Let him minister to you. Let him bring healing into your heart. Let him bring healing into your body. Let him bring healing into your emotions. Let him love you, because he so loves you. He so loves you. (laughs) He sent his only begotten son, Jesus, his prized possession, everything that was important to him, he sent to you so that you could come in communion and covenant with him, a holy father. All that he has is yours. He is not withholding one good thing from you. 
So receive it all and embrace it all and enjoy it all. <sighs> Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Father, we do worship you this morning. Jesus, we celebrate you. We thank you so much. We thank you for what you did for us. You're our commander-in-chief, our Lord and our Savior. We thank you, Holy Spirit, God on the earth, indwelling one. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit. We're so in love with you. And we're in love with your people. Your people who are called by your name. Thank you. Well, one way we love God is by loving one another. Turn to your neighbor, walk around, just give everyone a hug and kiss and tell them you're glad you're here. Hallelujah. We are the most blessed people on the face of the earth. Well, good morning to each one of you. Good to see you here at Church of the Word International. Good morning. Do we have anyone that's here for the very first time? We are here for the first time. We'd like to welcome you. We've got two, one up here, one in the back. Welcome to Church of the Word International. Um, our ushers will give you a little information card if you'd like to give us uh, your contact information. That would be great. And you can just put that in the basket as it goes by. You can turn to First Chronicles chapter 28. And I just, I have a, something I want you to catch in the spirit this morning. I feel it's the Lord wants us to catch a hold of this. You know, honor is due the Lord. He's worthy. He's worthy to be exalted of everything that we could give him, wholeheartedness, whole willing-mindedness. There's nothing too precious, nothing we couldn't yield to him. So I'm wanting to, for you to catch something, catch something in the Spirit. So I want to look at David, because when I think of honor, I think of King David. So in Chronicles, First Chronicles chapter 28, I'm just going to kind of try to give a foundation here. Um, in the beginning of chapter 28, David had assembled uh, many of his leaders, all of his leaders, his uh, mighty men, his, the officials, the ones that were over this and that and the other thing, and he tells them, I had it in my heart to build the house of God. And he goes on and says that, you know, the, but the Lord said, no, not you, but your son is going to do it. And when the, when the Lord was telling him this, I want to start in verse 7. The Lord said to me, because he was, he was saying, you know, your son Solomon's going to build the house. Verse 7 says, I will establish his kingdom forever, the Lord speaking, if he continues strong in keeping my commandments and my rules as he is today. Now, therefore, in the sight of all Israel, the assembly of the Lord, and in the hearing of our God, observe and seek out all the commandments of the Lord your God, that you may possess this good land. Observe, seek out, that you may possess the good land. 
and leave it for an inheritance to your children after you. And you, Solomon, now David's speaking to his son, and you, Solomon, my son, know the God of your father and serve him with a whole heart and with a willing mind, for the Lord searches all hearts and understands every plan and thought. If you seek him, he will be found by you, but if you forsake him, he will cast you off forever. Be careful now, for the Lord has chosen you to build a house for the sanctuary. Be strong and do it. So here is a father imparting to his son, trying to pass the baton. He's saying these words to Solomon because this is what was in David's heart. And we can see some, some key things. This is where honor starts. He says, with a whole heart, with a willing mind, know the God, know your God, serve him, pursue him. This is where honor starts. And so now I want to turn over to chapter 29 because we see the heart go from it, it being in the heart to an action. And in chapter 29, so he went on and gave more um, instruction on, to Solomon on how things were to be and more encouragement um, <clears throat> saying you're not going to be alone. And in verse 1 of chapter 29, it says, And David the king said to all the assembly, Solomon, my son, whom alone God has chosen, is young and inexperienced, and the work is great, for the palace will not be for man, but for the Lord. Now, now wait a minute here. So it, by implication, it says the work is great because it's not for man. So by implication, if it was for man, we could throw up a few walls and throw on some paint, and it, this would be like, you know, short thing. But it's for the Lord. So it's, you know, we're going to have skilled craftsmanship. We're going to do a good job. We're going to get the best. And, you know, sometimes I think in this, in, in, in the church world today, do we have that backwards? You know, we have the best in our homes but yeah, that's good enough for the mission. That's good enough for the church. We don't want that. That's not honor. He says, the work is great for the palace is not for man, but for God. Now also, hey, they were doing a physical thing. They were bringing physical things and physical people are going to be doing these things. So it's, but, but he's saying it's for God. So it, we're not given to church. We're not giving to people. It's for the Lord. Verse 2 says, so I have provided for the house of my God so far as I was able. Did y'all catch that? Not, not what he's, as God enables us, we are able to give. The gold for the things of gold, the silver for the things of silver, and the bronze for the things of bronze, the iron for the things of iron, the wood for the things of wood, besides great quantities of onks and stones for setting antimony, colored stones, all sorts of precious stones and marble. Moreover, in addition to all that I have provided for the holy house, I have a treasure of my own, of gold and silver. So, you know, he, this is now beyond the Federal Reserve, right? It's beyond the, you know, the, the country's resources. He's saying, I have my own pocketbook. I have my own treasure. And, and because of my devotion to the house of my God, you know, one translation says, because I have set my affection to the house of God, I give it to the house of God. So because of his heart of devotion, there's now an action. 
You know, see the heart. There's always the spiritual and then the natural. And if it's in your heart, then you know what? It's gonna, there's gonna be action put to it. So he says, 3,000 talents of gold. Of the gold of Ophir and 7,000 talents of refined silver for overlaying the walls of the house. Okay, they're having silver wallpaper. And, uh, for all the work to be done by craftsmen, gold for the things of gold and the silver for the things of silver. This is coming from his pocket. Now he says, who then will offer willingly consecrating himself to the Lord? Do you see how he's connecting this willing, pure-hearted, nothing-hold-back giving with consecration to God? He's making a connection there. When you're fully surrendered to the Lord, so is your pocketbook. It just goes together like that. Now, verse 6. Then the leaders of fathers' houses made their free will offerings, as did also the leaders of the tribes, the commanders of thousands and of hundreds, and the officers over the king's work. Do you see this beautiful example of David? You know, what you choose today, to do today affects others. And he led an example. He stood up and, and exhibited a heart of honor for God, devotion to God, and then it came out in his giving, and now he says, who's with me? Who's going to follow my lead? And you know, if this doesn't describe you today, it can be. We just choose, Lord, I want to honor you. Show me what it is to be fully surrendered, fully consecrated, but you know, it's not going to, it's going to start right here where we talked about the heart, about nothing held back, fully surrendered, fully yielded, God, it's all about you. Father, we are so grateful this morning. And we recognize you as worthy. We exalt you. You are worthy of our devotion. You're worthy of our honor. Lord, we gladly surrender to you. We yield ourselves to you and our resources to you. Everything that we have Our heart is yours. Our things are yours. And Father, as you move in our hearts, we will release the things you've entrusted to us. We thank you that there is no lack in this house. We thank you for the promises to meet every need. And we declare it as so in the lives of the people. And amen. And the ushers can pass the baskets. And we have a opportunity to sow into um, a mission opportunity to sow. So I'm going to have Troy come up and talk to us a little bit about Ghana. Thank you. Good morning, everyone. Before I talk about Ghana, let me talk about what the Holy Spirit put in my heart this morning, Um, which Ghana is part of that, but this is something that I'm sorry, Pastor, I didn't tell you beforehand, but it was definitely confirmed when I said a word to Larry this morning. You ain't seen anything yet. You ain't seen anything yet. Keep your eyes fixed on me. Keep your hearts open to me. Move in your faith and believe in me. I'm ready to do great things in your lives. Are you ready, my children? Are you ready? That's from him. This is from me. Ghana is a passion in my heart, as some of you have heard that have 
either been in a home group with me or talked to me otherwise. My wife, of course, knows that for sure. But uh, uh, Ghana Initiative, Mobile Medical Mission, which is an organization that I volunteer with, is going to be hosting a mission trip in July and August. It's uh, a series of about a week and a half to two weeks. It starts July 28th, and it's in your bulletins, by the way, uh, July 28th, and then we return to the United States on the 9th. Um, I'm inviting all of you to go. No, I'm not paying for all of you, but I'm inviting all of you to go. And if anybody would like information about how much it costs and where we go and what we do and so on, I did bring some of that information along with me today, but you can see me uh, between now and the next couple of weeks. But I only give you a couple of weeks because we have to really organize everything way ahead of time in order to make sure that we can uh, accommodate everyone uh, and meet the costs that are associated with it. But uh, when and if I do, you know, I will give you the cost that's associated with it. Um, it it's a, a cost that's all-inclusive. It's not like you have to keep paying and paying and paying different things. It's a, a one-time one deal. Um, and the other thing is there's a banquet coming up this weekend for, pardon me, this coming weekend for the Ghana Initiative Mobile Medical Mission, and our keynote speaker is Pastor Sidney. So if you're interested in being a part of that, please let me know. I know a couple of you have already come and seen me about that. But I need to know ahead of time so that we can, of course, order the food. It's a free banquet. We're not asking you to come and give any money. All we ask you to do is bring a book or two that we can distribute to the children over there. Um, and then if you're interested in doing so, it's also an auction. And you could have the opportunity to purchase things at the auction. And that's how we raise our money. So uh, it's not a matter of you coming and having to, to pay a fee. So again, if you're interested, please see me, and I thank you for the time, and uh, if you have any questions, pardon me. Right, the books, as, as I was saying earlier, the books are what, it's in essence your, your entry fee, but we're not calling it that. You, you don't, even if you, if you forget your books, we'll still let you in the door, yeah. But, but I still need to know ahead of time. If I don't know ahead of time, I won't have any food for you, and you'll sit there and wait, um, just because ah, we need to know. Okay. It is a full buffet, um, and it's a, a lot of good stuff. And we're meeting at Luther Acres in, uh, in Lidditz, so it's not too terribly far from here. Uh, starts at 5 o'clock, um, doors open, 5.30, the meal begins, and then the pastor will begin speaking, I suspect, around 6.30. And he doesn't get a whole sermon. He only gets 15 minutes. So there you have it, all in a nutshell. Thank you so much. Thank you, Troy. If you've never been admitted entry to a meal by the book Green Eggs and Ham, now is your chance. <laughs> Gladly give it away.